Let's Talk Home Repair is sponsored by Matriarchy Build, who provide tele-DIY services connecting homeowners to vetted pros for one-on-one video consultations. Visit matriarchybuild.com to get guidance on projects as small as a leaky faucet or as big as a home remodel. You can even book a session with Amy themselves. Visit www.matriarchybuild.com. Tele-DIY. Like telehealth? Yeah. Cool. I know. I'm Amy, general contractor. I'm Alicia, homeowner. And we're talking home repair. Welcome to Let's Talk Home Repair. We've got an exciting show for you today. We have a project update, which I believe is going to be a new project. Yes. Um, We've got a deep dive on doors. We've got your questions. And we have a clarifications corner about permitting. Let's start with your new project. Oh, this is going to be so exciting. This is a new one for us. This is uh, uh, DADU, Detached Accessory Uh, Dwelling Unit. Your favorite. Yes. This is something that we have wanted to do. Um, Well, we've done, we've done several ADUs, which is like a finished basement that converted into a, you know, a separate living space and, and this, but this is actually a separate building. Wow. And this is one of the ones um, here in Seattle, they have uh, some pre-approved plans for DADUs. So they've already gone through the entire permitting process or the plan review. um, And uh, then it's relatively easy to get the permit once it's already gone through plan review. So we are doing one of those pre de- pre-approved designs. Um, and we just got the signed proposal the other day. So we are going to be following that as we go. It's probably going to take us, uh, I'm going to say at least three or four months to get that done, if not longer. Really? Yes. And so tell us a little bit about the property that they're going to put it on. It is, um, the, the homeowners have owned the house for years and it's a pretty long lot. Um, up, close to you. Um, and they've got a really nice backyard, side yard kind of thing that's really nice and flat. And we've got access from the street right there. So we're not having to go through the entire property. Um, so it's going to be a great little, it's the, the dad is, has been living in a little, the, in the basement, uh, finished basement, of course, but, Mm -hmm. but now they're wanting to, um, build this DADU for him so that he can go out there and live. He's probably, I don't know, in his later sixties. That's great. Um, And he's gonna, he's gonna live out there and, and just enjoy a brand new house. (laughs) And how big is the DADU? 600 square feet. Holy cow. DADU does not mean tiny house. That's, that's what I'm remembering. Yeah, yeah. It, it does not mean tiny house. Well, and you're right. I think people do use them interchangeably. They do. And and no, it's not. Um, so it's going to be, it's a full, you know, one bedroom, bathroom, um, kitchen, living room. Yeah. That's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I will keep you updated as we. Super. As well. Yep. Super. I'm excited to hear about that. Um, so our deep dive today, if I remember what you told me and you were a bit cryptic Oh, we're talking about doors. We are talking about doors. Okay, what do we need to dive into about doors? Well, people have questions about doors. Um, We got a lot of them. We do. Uh, One of the questions that we get often is when you're going to replace your exterior door. Mm. I want a wood door on the exterior. And um, a lot of vendors that sell doors do not warranty wood doors for the exterior. Um, because they just don't weather well, regardless of what you do with them. If you don't do anything, the door is going to just deteriorate really, really quickly. Um, but if you do 
um, do the like the penifin and the, the the you know the pre-treat and then you paint it or you keep it you can you can get it to to last quite a long time but still they're they're not going to warranty that door so it's it's um, usually recommended that you go with something else like a fiberglass door or a steel door um, there's the the masonite um, which looks like a faux wood kind of thing. Okay. And from a distance, they look really good. Okay. Um, but but they you, don't have the feel of a wood door. No, they're yeah. still going to be, they're going to be um, not hollow, but they're going to be solid, but they're going to be foam filled. Okay. So insulated, um, but not quite as heavy. Um, but we still do put in wood doors and things like that. So exterior doors, I always re- recommend fiberglass for the masonite because they're just so low maintenance and the weather is not going to get them. A uh, steel door has a tendency to rot at the bottom or start start uh, rusting at the bottom Oh, um, after four or five years, um, unless you're really diligent about keeping everything painted well. But it's from the bottom, so it's that, that you know, water really from the hard. bottom. Really hard. Right, right. Um, in, big, big price differences? Well, you can get really fancy and, and go with some really interesting, beautiful glass designs and things like that, and you can get, you know, two or $3,000. Um, or you can stay with your, you know, basic big box store and probably for $750 get a pre-hung. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by pre-hung, you mean? It's got the jam already. It's already encased in the the jam, and you just have to pull the old one out. And put the new one in, and it should be all weatherproofed and everything if you're plumb and level in there. And so if I'm wanting to change my front door, do I have to replace the jam? You don't. It's a whole lot easier if you do, however. Um, what we typically do when we're replacing a front door and they don't want to replace the jam um, is we will actually take the door out, put a piece of plywood over it. We will take the door to our door vendor and they will mortise everything. They'll mortise the the hinges, the hinge plates, and the um, de- deadbolt and doorknob and strike plate areas, so that it's going to match what was. It, it's going to match the the door jam that's back at the house. Why can't you just pop out the pins and throw another door in there? Because if your measurements aren't right with your hinges, then your door's not going to close. Okay. You're either going to be hitting the ground or you're going to be hitting the frame above. Um, you could be too um, deep into the door or you may be too far out. Um, your strike plate or your latch may not line up to the strike plate that's on the door jam. I, I would have thought doors are more standard. Are they not? No, they're not that standard. Mm-hmm. There's... there's um, Standard-ish. Standard-ish, right. They'll, they'll say typically your, your top hinge is seven inches down from the top of the door, and that's where your first hinge is. Mm-hmm. And then, well, what is it if you have two inches? Or what do you have? What if you have three hinges? Um, and then... Or hinge size. Right, exactly. You can have a, you know, or are they square corners or are they rounded corners? Are they five-eighths inch rounded? Or are they, you know, so there's a lot of different things going on there. Um, same with uh, doorknob placement. Right, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not necessarily. Is it not the standard? Same. It's a, it's kind of supposed to be, but it's not always <laughs> right. I mean, someone will go to Home Depot and they'll buy a slab, um, and then they'll bore it out to what they want it to be to match. Um, Most likely to match what was already there. Right, right. So mm-hmm. um, there are recommendations on what the doors, um, it, what sh- what it should be, but you will find it all over the place. 
Um, it's supposed are to there, be five inches between the doorknob and the deadbolt, but sometimes it's nine inches, and sometimes they're right on top of each other, and sometimes you have the doorknob in the middle of the door. Right. Uh, so there's right. there's quite a bit of different stuff out there. Are there ADA standards? Um, yes, and I believe 36 inch door is an ADA. Um, you width. have to have yeah width. Um, and it, but I'm not sure about height. Um, I believe that they require a lever style handle as opposed to a round handle. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's mm, there's probably more, but I'm not sure. I'm and not it's not required of residences. Residential is not so much of a concern. No, mm-hmm. and, unless you have the need for it. Right, but there's right. no requirements. Right, on that. right. Yes. Super. What exactly. else? What else? What else about doors? What else about doors? Okay, so those exterior doors. Um, we talked. Um, in a different episode about um, the combination deadbolts right. and, and putting those in. So you can go look at uh, our past episode about that. <laughs> um, interior doors often are hollow. And <laughs> interior doors are often hollow. Uh, and if you want more privacy, you can yeah. go with a, a solid core door. Uh, they are more expensive. Um, but you do get that, you don't get that sound transfer. Uh, if you're doing a pocket door, um, you, we typically go with a, a hollow, or a, excuse me, a solid core door just because they're heavier. So they hold in in the track better as it's going along that track. Oh, I would have thought yeah. hollow for lightness. But I guess you do want no. a little bit of rigidity and A little bit, yes. Weight. Right, right. And, and of course, that, that, you know, you don't, the pocket door doesn't quite give you the same sound barrier that a door cl- as it latches so mm-hmm. having that that solid core helps with that as well sure right um and again when you're replacing doors yes you can just replace the slabs but you're gonna have to you know match up your hinges now i did i did a job one time and it was i think they had 11 doors <laughs> so I went into their garage and they had 11 doors and I think there were three different sizes. There was 30 inch. That had been pulled? No. Or that they went and purchased? They purchased. So they were just, okay. they were just slabs. They didn't have the, the doorknob board out of it. They didn't have the hinges. They didn't have anything. And they had these 11 doors that they wanted me to um, change out. And... I was thinking, okay. Um, so I'd never done a big, I mean, I'd done one or two, sure. but I hadn't done 11. <laughs> Efficiently. And, you know, this was earlier on in my, you know, career. Um, and so ignorance is bliss. <laughs> and I went through and I did it. I, I got them all done. I didn't, I didn't take them to a door vendor. I w- was out in the garage with the hinge jig mm. and um, the doorknob uh, template and matched it up to the existing door that I had pulled off and went in and put it in. And, oh, my gosh, it opens and closes. Great. <laughs> Next one. I went through that whole 11 doors and didn't have a problem. Then I started working with my project manager, and I said, "Well, why don't we just why don't we get why a, just do oh, that? No, we're not gonna. It's just too hard to do that." Oh, okay. So we take our doors to vendors, and I myself <laughs> was like, 
I didn't think it was that hard, but okay. And it kind of does put the onus on on the vendor as opposed to us if the door doesn't close, right? Right. right. So um, it is very doable. It's just um, take your time. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're really lined up. Actually put the two doors together. Make sure you've got the right hinge template, right? You can buy this stuff at the at the store um, for your hinge template. You've got a little router that you're going to router out the, the mortars for the hinges and drill for your doorknobs and everything. Just make sure everything matches up old to new, and you should be good. So if you are going to do it yourself, really do just get a slab rather than something that does have some of the stuff bored out because you don't know if it's going to be in the right, right you don't place. know if that's going to if that's going to match right and right. if you cut the have to cut the door cut the bottom actually take a piece of tape and write top or bottom on there mm. um, i've heard so many stories about people going to cut the door cuz it scrapes and they cut the top of the door then Got to buy a new one. (laughs) (laughs) Or have a weird hole up there. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can do it. You can change it. The, the distance between the uh, side of the door and the hole where the knob goes is pretty standard. There's two different sizes. One is a little bit longer for the exterior doors. The latch is a little bit longer. Um, So there are a couple of things to think about um, there, Uh, but it's not like all over the place. Um, what if somebody was interested in in uh, replacing their sliding doors with French doors? A sliding glass door is not going to have that jam. It's going to be completely different it's, anyway. Right. It's going to be completely different. So you're actually going to want to take the trim off of that sliding glass door, both on the inside and the outside, to make sure that you've got the rough opening measurement that you need to get the right size French doors, mm. right? Both mm-hmm. width and, and height. And you want to measure your width in a couple of different places. You want to measure your height in a couple of different places so that you know that, and, and by rough opening, what I mean is when you're able to actually see the two by four or two by six framing that the, the that is the opening for the door, not, not the trim on the door, but what the actual rough opening framing. Oh, okay. So you can see what we need to see by just taking the trim off yes. of the sliding glass door. Yes. You'll open that up and you may see some foam that they've sprayed in there if it's an exterior door, mm-hmm. right? You'll see the foam, but you should be able to see the two by four that, or the, the two by four, the two by six, whatever, whatever framing member is there. You should be able to see the edge of that. The edge of the drywall. Right. Yep. All right. And then super. You can just pop the trim back on. If you have any questions about doors, Send your question to askamy at amyworks.com. Next, we're going to move on to your questions. So what questions did we get this week? Smelly garbage disposals. Mm. What do you do about it? And um, they can be pretty nasty, very nasty. There are, um, you get those little round, they they look like, they used to be bath balls or something like mm, that, you know, mm-hmm. the little jelly things. Pellets? Yeah, kind of, but they're they're soft and they're but they're like lemon. I was gonna say lemon flavored. <laughs> 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 they're lemon scented, and you can put them in there, and you you turn the the garbage disposal on, and it's supposed to clean it up. There's also the trick of of um, ice throwing ice in there with uh, some lemon. Oh, okay. Um, they say that the ice will sharpen the blades. I don't believe that. Not so sure about that. Not so sure about that. But uh, 
So the lemon will um, help with that as well. The thing that I find to be the the biggest cause of um, garbage disposal smelling is that rubber collar that is right there at the drain. Now that will come out. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get it out, you can take, you might want to wear a glove um, right. because if you feel up underneath that rubber collar kind of thing. Within the disposal. Within the disposal, right? And make sure that, you know, nobody's going to turn that on. Um, but you feel up underneath that rubber collar and you can often find some really nasty, gnarly gunk that just lives up there. And that, and that is a huge cause of the smell coming out of your garbage disposal. Yeah. I'd probably start with that. Yeah. And, Mm. and it can be replaced. Those, those can be replaced. Um, pretty simple. You just have to know what size garbage disposal you have in the brand. And there's not that many brands of car, of garbage disposal. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And just pop it out. What if there was what if there was like a kind of rat dead animal smell? Where is that going to come from? Out of your garbage disposal? Well, in this general sink area. I would think that that could possibly be in your wall. Sometimes um when the plumbing gets done, um they will drill holes mm-hmm. in the in the drywall and they sometimes won't close them up with uh, foam. You know, okay. Um, and so, if you've got if you've got openings in the drywall, and you can look and you can see where your pipes are going in, sometimes you'll get rodents and things in there that will crawl around and die. Oh, so you would think it was maybe a dead rodent if it smelled like that? Well, after I did the garbage disposal cleanup and it was still smelling like that, yeah, I would think that it would be okay in there somewhere. And so the the holes that you're talking about that go into the drywall, they're also in your cabinet backs. Yes. So should there be foam around those as well? Or is it mostly just problematic into the wall? Either one. I mean, you could just foam it as it's as it's sitting in there, and, and there should be an escutcheon, mm-hmm. that ring that goes over the pipe. Sometimes those don't get replaced when, you know, new valves are put on. Um, but, yeah, I would go ahead and put some, some of that expanding foam in those holes um, to keep rodents and things coming up, or you could put, um, steel wool is another thing. If you really suspect that you have rodents, then you put steel wool in the holes and it deters them from crawling in them. Oh, interesting. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Did you have any other questions? Yes. What do you do when your AC unit stops? Very relevant right now in Seattle. It is. It is very relevant. So typically what, what the problem is, is it's run too hard and all, all your coils are frozen. Oh. And it's um it's made in such a way that it it knows that it's not working right and it'll shut itself off. So you'd have to leave it off and then wait um however long it takes, half an hour or so for those coils to thaw so the refrigerant can continue to flow through there um mm. and it should be fine. And if it's not then you've got other problems, but that's uh, that's typically what the issue is if it just all of a sudden shuts down. That we're just using it too too it's high and long too much, and hard. Right. Yeah. Okay. Just too much. Too much. So that's that's about it for today. I did want to say, I did want to mention there was a an episode that we were doing when we were talking about permitting. 
Was that, was that the basement, refinishing the basement? I believe it was. Okay. And so I was I was a little hesitant about permitting kind of stuff because it is it is it can be so different from state to state and even from city to city it can be different. Um, so I just want to make sure that everybody, if you're working on anything like that that does require a permit, that you actually check with your local, um, you know, building authority, um, construction um, department, or whatever for your particular requirements for for permitting. That's electrical, plumbing, you know, anything. Just just check your local local codes. You can email or phone them. There's usually pretty good resources on their website. Depends on where you are, but I know in Seattle, we've got a really good website that you can look up a lot of the code stuff. Super. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. If you have any questions for us, please send them to askamy at amyworks.com. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Alicia. This podcast is sponsored by Amy Works, a residential remodeling contractor in Seattle. We want to help you realize the dream of your next kitchen, bath, or basement remodel. Check out some of our work on our website, amyworks.com. Give us a call at 206-478-2019 or send us an email at help at amyworks.com.